And now, and now, let me just little icing on the cake because I have to. That rent is not staying stable. It's going to appreciate. The house is going to appreciate, right? If there's any point in time in the next 30 years where you can refinance and take advantage of a better rate, you can do that and lower your cost of borrowing, right? If you want to cash out before your 30 years, you can do that and supplement the end of your life, right? Or the end of your working life, right? At your 40 or your 45, oh, I'm going to sacrifice one year in retirement to get a little bit of that cash early. It's still tax-free, right? You Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, we got Christian Batch Elder with us today. He is the man, he's the broker of the one brokerage and the man behind David Green, running all the systems, the people, and he, there's so many titles I can go through between lending and insurance and brokerage and, and, and short-term rentals, chemical engineer, like the list is endless. But we are going to be telling you guys a lot of cool stories today, diving into a lot of fun topics, namely some stories about David Green and some crazy uh, short-term rental stories. So Christian, thank you so much for joining us here on this Friday and take us away. Tell us one of your crazy experiences so far you've had in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, appreciate you guys having me. Um, always love doing these and we're going to, we're going to get a little, uh, more, more detailed into the personal aspect, which is fun on this one. Um, I was, I'll just tell kind of what just went through. David's talked a little bit about it on bigger pockets, but, um, he just went through a 1031 from hell, right? It was, it was wild. Um, it literally came down just to summarize it. It came down to the last day with the complete deal being torn down and rebuilt in 24 hours. And we were traveling from Florida to Tennessee together. We put, I think, 17 properties under contract in 48 hours to finish out a 1031. And without any one of them, the deal would have fell apart. We needed all of them to work. So imagine you're a realtor and you guys have shared with me that a lot of your uh, listeners are realtors. Realtors, imagine this. You hear somebody who's got you know a few million dollars to work with and says, I need you to go find me 17 properties tonight that just like cash flow neutral or positive because I need to save this very massive tax bill. Um, and then said, imagine if I aren't, if I'm not in contract tonight, you just cost me. It was some, you know, large amount of money. That realtor was shaken, <laughs> right? They were, they were hustling and they were giving us back. Hey, this, this seller countered. No, no counters. We don't have time. We got to go. We got to get stuff in contract. We just accept. Yep, we just accept. And that was that was a wild 48 hours. But man, we got it done. He got his 1031 done, saved obviously the capital gains that come along with that. And that was a that was a trip for for the ages. We're gonna remember that one. But just goes to tell you that even even when you think you got everything all aligned, I mean, I still learn something every day, right? I don't want to talk for David, but David learns all the time, right? I mean, listeners on the podcast, people that we interview, even deals that we're working for other people. Biggest thing that I'm stressing go for our clients and people who follow us going into 2023 is man if you're just in the right room in the right network talking to the right people it doesn't matter if you're good it doesn't matter if you have something to add man just being in the right room will broaden your horizons will open your eyes right and that's i mean obviously me being affiliated with david has has done that right i've learned so much from that guy that um you know hopefully i can impart some of that today for you guys so excited to get into it. And so earlier on the call, we were talking about how you guys connected and immediately you started referencing sales process. Now I want to break this down. You're a chemical engineer, yeah. which I find to be somewhat similar to me as a math major. This is not the type of people that are generally out hustling people and, you know, selling and that type of thing. So what led you to be so assertive in the real estate space and how did you connect to David? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, People you throw around late bloomer a lot. I, I I was in a weird subset of people who was doing something that they were very good at, but had no enjoyment doing. I, I did not enjoy, you know, running algorithms and and coding, you know, reactors and you know that's it's chemical engineers, right? They build factories, they build chemical plants, right? Um, and it, it was just so strange that I, I I thought being good at something meant that's what you're supposed to do. Right. And once I graduated, I went to UC Berkeley. I graduated. That's a school where chemical engineering has a lot of power behind it. Right. It's one of the top programs for that in the nation. Got job offers. And as I just started peeking at all of them, I'm like, man, I can't imagine myself doing that. Right. I'm good at it. But man, that would suck doing, you know. Um, and funny enough, I just landed myself 
asking people like, hey, what do you do for a career? What do you do? And I became basically the equivalent of a high school dropout with my degree meaning nothing, right? I had no sphere of influence. I didn't come from a wealthy family that had connections on connections. Um, and I realized, man, if there's something that I enjoy doing, it's losing the, the, the ceiling in or I'm sacrificing my floor in order to get rid of my ceiling. Right. So I, I had no yeah. base salary. I had no promise, no guarantee, no anything, no W2. I gave that up with chemical engineering, but man, when you can get past that ceiling and realize it's just limited to your own pursuits, that was a cool feeling. Um, so that's a little bit behind my, my pursuit there. Um, once I got into the industry, I just made it a habit of, like I said, that's why I talked about being in the right rooms, surrounding myself. I was all over the bigger pockets forums, right? I was looking to add value. I was going meeting with realtors. I was prospecting clients. Um, it's funny, anybody who signs up to work with our company gets my 15 page, I call it my prospecting think tank. It's like 30 or 40 different uh, methods that I used to use to generate business. And man, it's like, it's like the realtor Bible. It's it, I love that thing. And people have given a lot of good feedback once they start producing using it. And man, it's just, I, I found myself very, very fortunate in being invited into certain rooms and being able to brush shoulders with people that, you know, once they got a taste of, Hey, this guy works a little bit differently. Like it's very clear working with David's real estate team. They work differently. They're they're. This is not by any means talking bad about realtors, but you know, 80% of realtors in the industry probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. There's 20% that knock it out of the park. Uh, David's team's in the 1%, right? I mean, they just, 100%. and once we started to get to work with each other, I was fortunate that they felt the same way, right? Vice versa about myself. And it just became kind of a match made in heaven where, you know, when you got two juggernauts working on different sides of a transaction, you'd be shocked what your conversion ratio does, right? Just goes through the roof. So let's talk about this. So, so what did you bring to the table right away? Like what kind of experience, what sort of systems or knowledge did you already have? Yeah. And then what was the mechanisms you used to impress these guys to make sure it was a fit? Yeah, great question. Um, first and foremost, it came from a very good recommendation, right? So one of David's personal friends, um, one of his past clients recommended me because I did a loan for them, right? That That's the first step in the door. People always, you know, people ask me all the time, hey, 30 second elevator pitch right now. And I usually say it's going to be a better elevator pitch if you can get somebody else to do it on your behalf, right? If you can get somebody into the room with the CEO vouching for you, that's totally different than trying to get someone's attention on the elevator. Um, so that's how it started, right? I got recommended to him. Um, and then once we were there, I mean, I'll, I'll tell it true. Um, I offered to do loans almost for free for him until he was, until he decided that I was a valuable asset, right? I, I said, Hey, I'll just come in, you know, I'll, I'll just add value. I'll teach your team. I'll help out with your realtors, whatever they need. I'll help them with backend support. I'll obviously get the loans done. That's the bare minimum, but that's not my selling point. Right. And I just, was obsessed with, hey, what in their daily lives can I make easier? Can I make more efficient? Can I add value, right? Um, and that was everything from, you know, contacting the inspector to make sure it went well before the inspection came back, right? Contacting the appraisal management company, making sure that we get that thing back on time. If any of you guys were buying during 2020, you know, appraisals were the bane of all of our existence, right? Everybody hated them. I was on the phone with AMCs nonstop saying when they saw that phone call ring, they were like, oh, crud, it's Christian. We know he's going to start complaining at us. We got to get his appraisal turned around, right? Um, just all those things, right? When you see a problem, just striving to fix it, that starts to rub off. Then all of a sudden you see, you know, realtors acting a little more efficiently and, you know, maybe processors or transaction coordinators. Um, and that was just felt just going all the way up until... Yeah. You're working almost for free on these loans, or at least that the, that was the offer. So yeah. you're doing twice, three, 10 times the work at a fraction of the pay. 100%. Like what's r race racing through your mind? You're like, how long is this going to have to go? Or was it just like, no, this is my future. Like I'll do whatever it takes. You know, it's funny. So I, I, I love this. This is a really good question. Um, so I, I kind of live by a mantra of, it was taught to me by my, by my dad. My, my dad uh, was shot and killed two years ago. Um, and he spent 22 years of my life in prison. He got out when I was 25. So I had not seen him since I was three years old and he got out of prison with $1,800. That's what he had from saving for 22 years in jail. Um, while his last year in jail, he got his electrical engineer certification 
He got his commercial developer certification and he immediately started a company the moment he got out with other convicts. And they went around and started selling their services and they were honest. And he's got prison tattoos. It's very obvious where, where he's been. And he built a multi-million dollar company within three years of leaving prison. Incredible story. And I remember him telling me, hey, honestly, I'm not worried about it all burning down. He didn't have good accounting. He didn't have financial acuity. But he said, absolute worst case scenario, he took his little office drawer and he took that $1,800 and he put it in the drawer. And he said, that will never go in a bank account. That will never go in anything else. If everything else fails and my pursuits don't pay off, I got what I left jail with. That was my thoughts when I was going through it with David. I'm like, hey, worst case scenario, I'm right back to where I was and I had an awesome opportunity and I let people down and that sucks and I got to live with that, but I'm right back to where I started. So I viewed the whole thing as only potential positives happening. If it all failed, okay, I got my $1,800, right? Um, it's hard to do, right? That's, it was very difficult um, and obviously owning up to the name because David was introducing people to saying this is his guy, right? Before he really, really had gained my, or I had gained his trust. Um, but I think that that shows, right? When somebody comes in with that level of, of dedication to something and says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to give ev literally every ounce of what I got to this. Um, it's easy to see people who are doing that genuinely, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Without question. So I need to hear more about your dad now because you've, you've given me a little bit too much to not go further down this rabbit hole, man. Yeah. I mean, you just said he had 1800 bucks, just got out of prison. Unfortunately, he got murdered and yeah. he built a multi-million dollar business like in such a short time frame. I need more context here. Like, <laughs> um, I wish I could give it. I mean, man, I got, you know, in 25 years, I got three years with my dad right after he got out. And I, one of the biggest regrets of my life, because we were talking about potentially merging our businesses and he was going to develop and I was going to do the loans. Um, unfortunately, that never happened. Um, but it, it's just his, some people just have like, you know, in like sports, they call it the it factor. You just look a little bit different when you're running with the football. Right. I don't know if you guys are football fans like Tyreek Hill looks 100%. a little bit different when he runs yes. the ball. Right. Jo uh, uh, Jefferson. Yeah. Justin Jefferson on the Vikings. He, that guy looks a little bit different when he's carrying the ball. Right. When he's running his routes, when he's cutting. That was my dad, just with charisma, with no, in, you know, no, no book smarts. Right. None of the, the you know, he used to say it took him 40 years to turn 18. <laughs> you know, and. <laughs> Just, but man, when he talked to people, people are like, that's a guy I want in my corner. I trust you. I don't know why you're a 22 year convict, but I trust you. I feel like you're honest. I feel like you're, you're going to, you know, he worked like 20 hour days, right? He was, he was actually in there with his team repairing lights and he would do like the commercial installations for like Costco's and Albertsons and stuff. Like he got big contracts. He did the, uh, the, um, sweet, uh, all of the sweet lighting displays and everything for Chase Field in Arizona is where the diamondbacks play all of you guys have ever been in one of the private suites there my dad did all of the electrical work around there massive contract and they trusted a convict of 22 years it's just imagine the type of person that would be able to overcome that objection that was him and i, I wish i could attribute it to some sort of you know striking of luck that he had but man just when when you talk to people like that they just look a little bit different running on the field and it it that's that's obviously a massive trait and it's it's I'm proud to say that he didn't waste it for any longer than he absolutely had. Right. He got the years yeah. out of it at the end. Amazing. So take us into your journey there. So you're you're really hustling. You're really grinding. You're really giving. Did you have a framework around how long you would do that for? Was it literally like I will do this till I have my last penny minus the <laughs> 1800, of course, or what, what was the vision? I guess. um I guess I have to be completely honest. I, I feel like I had the fallback, like I could always go be an engineer. Yeah. That's not a fallback that every realtor has, right? I, I, I had a starting offer of $160,000 a year salary. Like they offered that to me, right? It was traveling and I didn't want to travel, but that was the offer. It's a little bit easy to give everything you got to your last dollar when you know you have a fallback. So by no means am I trying to inflate, you know, that I, I just absolute all risk no you know no no safeguards because i did have them right i have to be honest but i didn't want to do that right i would have viewed that as an entire like a complete failure so it would have been just as good as not having anything because i would have been miserable right 
Um, but I didn't really have a timeline. I, I was just in thinking in the back of my mind, it's going to show. I'm going to prove it. It's going to happen. You know, we're, we're going to prove that we can do this way better with each other than we can separate. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just my mentality. And I, I guess it happened quick enough to where I guess that never really became like a, a troubling topic. Um, you know, within a year of working with each other, we built the one brokerage. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it happened. It happened quick. Um, but yeah, I can't say that was something that was like clouding my judgment. Right. Absolutely. And you said how important it is already to being in the right room is, is more important than being good. Like if you yeah. find yourself around the right people, you don't even have to be good at all. Um, so obviously working for free is a great way to put yourself in the right room. What other strategies could people use to get into the right room? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, it's funny because it's it's changed a little bit now, even since I first started. And that wasn't, you know, decades ago. But the amount of accessibility that people give nowadays, everybody's got a social media, everybody's selling a course, everybody has meetups. You know, I think of something like BPCon, right? Bigger Pockets Convention, which was in San Diego this year. I was thinking about that. We were, obviously, we were there. We had a table. We were presenting. I was just thinking about that. Man, if I was new to the industry and there was a weekend where all the big players were in one building and it costs like 800 bucks for a ticket and there's no like it's not like you have to hop a fence to get to David like David was walking through the lobby Rob Abasolo you know Rob Ilt was there Brandon Turner was there you know Pace Morby was there Pace Morby was on the table right next to us <laughs> right and I'm thinking man so I don't even have to go find the room there's the room and it's everybody found it for me right Events would be the biggest thing that I'd say first and foremost, right? You got to do those. You got to get into a place where if you can overcome the first step of the sales pitch, which is just getting somebody interested, bigger pies kind of already did that for me, right? Like there's a convention here and everybody here is interested, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, that, that would be absolutely if somebody's looking to go into 2023 and really take advantage of like how the industry is right now. There's a lot of realtors that are hurting right now. There's a lot of loan officers that are hurting right now. There's a lot of people looking for business, right? There's a lot of uh, borrowers trying to figure out ways to make deals work with high interest rates. There's people who know how to do it, right? There's people who know the asset types and the loan products to get and the the the, the target markets that are still cash flowing even with today's interest rates, right? It's not like nobody's buying loan, nobody's buying property, right? They absolutely still are. Put yourself in a room where those people typically congregate, right? You get started with David and it sounds like your life kind of flips upside down in the sense that, you know, you guys were like the number one producing team. You fly yeah. out to go see UWM. What's it like going from like, Hey, I'm, I'm putting my systems together to like, Hey, I'm like one of the number one lenders in the country. Like how much volume were you guys doing? What did that feel like? Yeah, we were doing a lot. I mean, we, we, yeah, we got to a point where, I mean, it was, you know, we were, we were very regularly get recognized as the top broker with many of our partner lenders. And it was, it was a rush. Um, I think even now though, I, I don't realize, I don't feel like we've, there's, we've plateaued a peak, anything. I view it as like, Hey, we're number one there. Number one's going to be higher next year. We got, we got to have more goals to beat next year. Right. Cause if it's very easy to get fat and happy and see, say, Hey, we were the number one, you know, wholesale broker here during you know 2022 okay 2023 we can slack off right everybody made their money the markets turned anyways we might as well give up right um i don't know if it's obvious with how i'm sharing but it's not how i work <laughs> right it's not how exactly. my mind thinks i have that thing that how my dad has work. right yeah yep. it's, i i have that same thing he had where it's like hey uh, we're, we're going balls to the wall here nonstop. what's the next goal what's the next trajectory that we can put ourselves on to achieve something higher right um you guys kind of alluded to a little bit, but we're starting a different wing of the company. We're going to start an insurance branch and hopefully down the line, a property management branch. We have to live up to our name, the one brokerage. We really usually named that to be a one-stop shop. David's got the real estate. We got the lending. I had the insurance. So I previously ran an insurance company even before I met David actually. Um, and we're going to fuse all that together now under one roof. That's kind of the idea. Um, so there's always, man, there's always a goal to achieve. <laughs> there's like, you're never going to so run great. out of them, you know? So do you view yourself as an integrator or do you view yourself as a visionary? Like how does your relationship with David and, and, and work? And then are you like 
implementing all these businesses or yeah i mean if you think about it david's like ceo i'm coo i guess so to speak right so i'm I'm like the operations head um i'm like little mad scientist behind the scenes pushing my buttons right the engineer go figure Um, right (laughs) but uh yeah i'd say that and now granted david and i you know we we go back and forth a lot right david absolutely contributes to the operations i contribute to our i mean i'm doing a podcast right now right this isn't really operations but you know we we like to to help each other out on both sides of things um you know i don't think i have the the standing to to define myself as a as a as an integrator or a, or a big you know head of the industry i feel like personally i haven't earned that yet whether other people want to decide that that's their prerogative but um i i define myself as someone almost insanely driven and i i'm just obsessed with growth and i i think that's the only way really to succeed especially when the industry you know in 2020 every realtor could do well houses sell sold themselves right the only people that are really going to thrive and even you know even survive at the bare minimum is people who are insanely driven during these markets right it's not easy to get a client anymore it's not easy to motivate someone to buy a house it's not easy to find a good opportunity for somebody to buy a house right like even if a client's motivated these numbers just don't make sense right um and that's where the creativity and the the experience because i'm doing it myself i'm buying houses right now right um, I try to kind of lead the way cause I don't want to be a snake oil salesman. Right. I always use the analogy when people apply to work for our company, would you trust a guy selling you a Mercedes at the Mercedes dealership? If he came to work in a BMW, <laughs> right. Pro- probably not. Right. 100%. They're similar price. They're similar like framework in the industry and you know, the opinion of them, but he's selling you a Mercedes and he's telling you how good it is. Right? He should be driving one. Right. That's the same way I feel, right? I need to be buying houses. I need to be getting these loan products in order to not be a snake oil salesman. I got to believe in what I'm doing, right? Which I absolutely do. Uh, But yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Tell us why short-term rentals are your preferred choice in in your personal portfolio. Yeah, love that. Uh, Number one, the unique loan programs we have. Um, We have short-term rental specific loan programs, which are really cool. Um, Number two, I like to invest in what I believe in. I like to invest in what I can enjoy. So for instance, if I have a property, you know, in the Smoky Mountains, I don't know if you guys have been there. It's an awesome spot. It's very cool. Right? It's a really enjoyable place, right? There's lakes, there's great hiking. I'm kind of outdoorsy. You know, there's really just cool stuff to do there, right? There's Pigeon Forge, which is a big, basically a huge multi-mile long theme park, essentially, right? With arcades and mini golf and all this stuff. Dollywood is there, which is basically like Universal Studios, essentially. Um, but I mean, the, the cool thing about it is that I can have an asset and there's tax benefits to having short-term rentals. There's different deductions that you can take. But outside of the financial aspect, I mean, we took the one brokerage staff, the top producers, we took our top loan officers in one brokerage to a property that David and I bought in the Smokies. It's a seven bedroom. It's got an indoor pool. It's an amazing property. And we had an awesome time. We went for like a week and we still worked from there. But just the ability that an investment can be a rental, that's cool. It can give you the tax ins- the tax benefits, that's cool. It can give you some cash flow, that's cool. Maybe some appreciation, that's cool. But man, when I can own some place that I can take 20 dudes, guys and girls, not just dudes, guys and girls that are our loan officers, and just have the time of our lives for 10 days, that's cool. Right? That's enjoyable. That's something that I that gets me excited about investing. And I understand not everybody owns a company, but substitute my company with your family, right? You can take your family to your rentals. Um, That's what really pushed me to short-term rentals. This is so powerful because what do you you notice that that does for your company culture? You know, it's like a lot of times leadership is acting first. It's like not telling somebody to do something but not doing it, backing up. You're you're talking about snake oil salesman, right? Selling something that you're not doing. This is a form of leadership. Yeah. What do you feel like... What kind of results have you seen in your companies of, of them actually taking action and buying properties as a result of you showcasing them in your company trips? Oh, massive. I think every one of our loan officers, maybe a couple of the new ones, but I think every one of our loan officers own rentals. Um, I'm going through the list in my head. I'm pretty sure all of them do, um, which is awesome. I, I believe in real estate. I believe they should be doing it, right? But in terms of the actual culture... I'm proud to admit we have not lost a single person of our in-house team during this downturn. 
where t- companies like Quicken and Lone Depot and all these other companies are laying off 80% of their workforce. We've lost like some processors here and there, but like our core group, everybody that we started the company with is still here through this downturn in the industry where it's impossible to succeed. I think that's because everybody backs each other up, right? We're all sitting there doing the same job, making sure the reputation of the company stays high, making sure the internal culture stays good. I, I, if, I hope they would say this, but I feel that it's been relayed to me. Everybody enjoys working here, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody enjoys the company morale and, and how we treat each other. Um, I think that's a huge part. I mean, you know, realtors that might be listening to this, if you guys have a team, if you guys have showing assistance, they got to enjoy what they're doing. Like if they don't, they're, they're I mean, you're not going to get, you know, imagine the guy who comes pouting into the office all day. He's not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's upset. He's mad. He's, he's, you know, pouting over something you told him two weeks ago, you know, like you got to keep that, that, that finger on the pulse, so to speak of, of your company and make sure, you know, and that's, that comes with a sacrifice, maybe a free time. I don't have a whole lot of free time, right? I'm constantly in it with my company. I'm, you know, trying to implement new programs to make their lives easier and get new loan products. Um, and I think that permeates all the way down through because now my loan officers are spending more time with the customer. The processors are spending more time collecting documents and making sure loans don't fall through. Um, and if you lead the right way from the top, I think everybody, you know, implements that at every level of the company. That's awesome. So every one of your loan officers owns property. Just about, there's a couple newer ones that are recent additions to the team. Um, but yeah, the, our primary ones, if anybody's worked with the one brokerage, the person you're talking to, 99% possibility they own property. Um, yeah. What sort of process, if any, do you have? Like, do you walk them through, sit them down day one and say, hey, look, like, let's create your vision for your financial freedom number, your retirement. Or is it just more like you're just walking, showing them as you're buying properties? Oh, hey, that's something we own. That's something we own. How, do you, how are you exposing them to portfolio and to investment. I love that. That's such a great question. Um, I'm going to bring up an example that just happened right now. Um, I was just meeting with my assistant. I think you guys spoke with her, right? Chelsea, who set up, who set up this podcast for us. Um, I was just having a conversation with her about buying her first property, right? And she's not, not a loan officer, not a realtor, not an insurance agent, not doing any of the work. And she's my assistant, right? Scheduling, helping me make sure things don't fall behind. And I'm like, hey, you know, if you, I, I told her, hey, would you like to help manage one of my short-term rentals for a few months? Pick it up, see how you like it, see if it's something you want to do, and I'll buy a property with you. Let's do it. Let's get you some assets. Let's get you some net worth. And she was like, what? Right? Really cool. Like, <laughs> awesome experience. And, you know, I, I love her. She's great. She, she came from retail. Your boss at, I don't know, The Gap, wherever. She didn't work at The Gap. But your boss in the mall isn't talking about growing your net worth with you. Right. That's something that I'm super passionate about. I want everybody, if they, if they trust me with whether it's employment or a job opportunity or, you know, loan officers, you have to trust their broker. It's a two way street, right? They produce for the broker, but there has to be trust going both ways. If I can gain that and people are putting that trust in me, I have to, I have to hold up to it. Right. I have to provide some sort of value in return. That's just how like I'm intrinsically wired. Right. Um, and it excites me. I, I believe in real estate. I think it's the best investment class in, in this country. Right? And I think the tax code is on my side in that one. A hundred percent. So walk us through, you have a philosophy about buying a property a year as part 100%. of a retirement plan. So walk us through that and also walk us through like, what's the recommendation for your staff? What's the recommendation for people in general, agents and investors to get to retirement, get to get to financial freedom? Yeah, this is a really big one. And this is one that I'm going to be talking more and more in 2023. Um, So for people, obviously your first investment should be in what I refer to as your active income. That's trading time for money, right? That's most people listening to this may have a W-2. If you're a realtor, you have a 1099. If you're a loan officer, you have a 1099 or some states require W-2s, regardless of what it is. Um, You have something where you're actively trading time for money. The goal is throughout your 15, 20, 30 years of employment, whatever your goal is, is to eventually transition that more to passive income. That's financial independence, all right? That's what everybody's trying to get. Most people take, and W-2 employees are going to dump money into a 401k, into an IRA, into a whatever, right? My mindset is if you take that same contribution and dump it into real estate, on a 30-year loan, let's say you have a 30-year retirement uh, timeline, right? You want to be retired. You start working at 20. You want to be retired by 50. Cool. 
doesn't have to be a big property. This is where people get this misconstrued. You could buy a $50,000 property. I don't care, right? 20% down on 50,000 is 10 grand. You got to save 10 grand your first year. Most people on some sort of, you know, W2 job, maybe dual income household, may be able to get there. Um, I want you guys to picture you take out a 30-year loan on a $100,000 property. Just cash flow neutral. I want to take cash flow out of the picture. I want to take tax savings out of the picture. I want to take write-offs out of the picture and, you know, rent increases out of the picture. Everything why people normally buy real estate. Wipe all that away. Imagine the tax code was not beneficial to real estate. You just own an asset that isn't going to appreciate. But you guys agree that I'm taking the absolute worst case scenario of real estate here, right? No appreciation, worst. no cash yes. flow, no tax savings, <laughs> no anything. But yep. that's okay because people who want to refute this are going to try to take those points away from me. What if it doesn't appreciate? What if it doesn't cash flow? Okay, I'll give you all of that. Stay on that property and it just breaks even. So the borrower pays the mortgage every year and just treat it like your 401k. <laughs> it's what you're doing anyways, right? That property yeah. now in 30 years, no appreciation, no cash flow, no anything, is worth $100,000. You have no mortgage now. The mortgage is gone. So you can choose one of two options. You're retired. Remember, we said we're going to retire in 50 years, or I'm sorry, in 30 years, by age 50. We have two options. You can either live on the free cash flow now, 1000 bucks a month, whatever it is, not very much, but assuming you buy one of these a year, let's just assume you don't even want to live on that cash flow. We just created tax-free retirement income. You have a property that is paid off $100,000. We're going to do an 80% cash out refi. You get $80,000 of income that year in your retirement, not taxed, no taxes. Your 401k is taxed when you take it out. People are going to use the Roth IRA argument. Okay, there's still some sort of tax incentive, typically at some point down the line, right? Unless you invest in the right asset class, and it's not really your money in that case. It has to stay in the market, all that crap, right? And then you have required distributions. This is none of that. I'm going to put $80,000 into your bank account, no taxes, no anything, on the first year of your retirement. And remember, this isn't really going to be $80,000. That $100,000 property is now worth two, three, four, five dollars $500,000. So in reality... Without taking all those negative aspects away, I'm paying you three to $400,000 a year in your retirement. Tax-free, all of the debt is paid for by the tenant. There's your 401k. And if you buy one property every year, theoretically, every year you're going to get one new paid-off property because that 30-year mortgage is going to expire. In year 31, the house you bought in year two will be re arriving at its payoff date. In year 33... Your, fourth, your third property will be there, 34 and so on. And we have a new house to cash out of tax-free every year of your retirement that you can then turn around and put into more real estate if you want to and start buying houses in cash. And if you want to live on cash flow instead of cash out equity, you can do that too. I and this think- is, I mean, this is 800 bucks a month. You're talking 800 yeah. bucks a month. You put away that's 10 grand a year. And in 30 years, you're waking up with three to $400,000 a year in- money coming in hundred percent and not taxed <laughs> right yeah. and now and now let me just little icing on the cake because i have to that rent is not staying stable it's going to appreciate the house is going to appreciate right if there's any point in time in the next 30 years where you can refinance and take advantage of a better rate you can do that and lower your cost of borrowing right if you want to cash out before your 30 years you can do that and supplement the end of your life right or the end of your working life right? At year 40 or year 45, oh, I'm going to sacrifice one year in retirement to get a little bit of that cash early. It's still tax-free, right? You can do it before year 10 even and start doubling up on properties. But the idea is if you consistently buy one a year, put them on 30-year 30 30 loans, you are on a 30-year retirement plan that will outpace every single 401k. Nothing will beat that. And the fact that you can depreciate and get tax savings while you're working to potentially save you money on the, the income taxes you're paying. It's just, then you start compounding, but that's, that's the idea that we're really working towards of we're calling it one house a year, right? And building people's finances. People say it's impossible. I can't buy one house a year. Come talk to us. Let's work with you. Let's break down your finances. I'll show you. I'm, I'll end with this guys. I'm sorry. I know this is a long monologue. I'm doing a challenge this year. It's going to be on my, we're going to announce it probably in the next month or so on probably my TikTok or Instagram. I'm going to do a 12 month challenge. 
I am going to live on the median household income in California for 12 months, and I'm going to save 10 grand by the end of the year. I think the median household income is 60, 68,000, I think, in California. I'm going to use that after tax. I have to pay taxes on it. I'm going to put all the other money that I make into an account that I can't touch for 12 months, and I have to live on whatever the net is of that. It's, I, I don't know. You, yeah, somebody can do the math for me, I'm sure. But the net of $68,000 per year in taxable income, I'm going to show you guys, I'm going to have 10 grand by December. That's incredible. Right? And you're going to show yeah. full financials. So you're going to say, here's bank records. Here's, you know, that here's spreadsheets. Everything. Everything. Yep. Wow. And then, and then taking the 10 grand and making the purchase. And then actually buying a house at the end of the year, correct? That's how we'll cap off the 12 months. We'll go buy and it won't, it'll be only a house that 10 grand can buy. It may be three and a half percent down on a primary residence. It may be 10% down on a vacation property of $100,000 in the Midwest. It may be whatever it ends up being. I'm going to use 10 grand to buy real estate and I can't use any other money. 68,000 of taxable income. Yep. So you're probably talking 50 grand, maybe something like that. Mm -hmm. 50, 55 grand. And you're going to live on that and save 10. 100%. Wow. This is I, I, so I encourage like, you guys to follow along. I'm going to show you every so, step of the way. You yeah. have to, man. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. 100%. I couldn't even imagine yeah. living. I'm like super that excited about it. It's going to be all about finding arbitrage moments in your life. For instance, I'm going to tour my car, right? I'm going to actually take the bus when I want to go see friends and I'm going to document that. Right. And I'm going to say, Hey, I can make a hundred bucks today touring my car. And I'm going to go get a car that is gettable on that salary. My car payments, 350 bucks a month. I'm going to throw it for a few days out of the month. I got to make extra money somewhere. I got to work with only my W2 income, those assets that it can buy me. I didn't say I can't invest that during the year. I'm only working with that income though. If that income allows me to get a car approval, we're going to get a car approval, right? Finding those moments of arbitrage. I may sell some of the, some stuff that I can find on Amazon for cheap, right? At whatever it takes, we're going to have a goal that we got to make whatever it is, 830 bucks a month to get 10 grand at the end of the year. We got to make 830 bucks a month that I didn't spend. It's got to be saved. <laughs> Absolutely. I love how you're focused on arbitrage already, like right away. Yeah. Um, so let's just say like, what are the two or three things that you're focused on? I mean, you said a couple things already. Um, you might rent out your car. You might do some some things of that nature but what other things are you thinking of in arbitrage right away because this is a tough goal like i, I couldn't even imagine mm -hmm. attempting it well i might let's go crazy here i may go pay the 1200 bucks to get a real estate license and i may say hey i'm going to hustle and grind and talk to every person at my work and i'm going to actually document my marketing process i can't use my name cannot use my name I got to go to places where people do not know who I am. Hospitals, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, wherever, right? Think of the places where people wouldn't be actively involved in real estate. And if they recognize me, I can't do it. So if they're doing business with me because David Green or I saw you on a podcast or I see your Instagram or whatever, I can't do it. I can't use that money. That has to go in my no touch account, right? It's like undercover billionaire. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I'm so sure of this process that if i could just show people watch like not using my my identity at all right this is what i have to do i i, I i'm gonna go and i don't know what i'm gonna do yet i'm gonna do it day by day if i get a real estate license and i haven't made a sale in three months i may not continue that right i'm gonna have to figure something else out um but yeah it's, it's gonna be a fun journey i'm super excited about it oh, dude i so love the idea i'm gonna in, watch in it. the companies are you still are you still running these companies at this point? Are I'm still going to be running the companies sabbatical? in the background. I'm going to take probably, you know, an hour or two a day after, you know, probably after business hours and give some time to this. But the idea is this this is business activity, right? I'm I'm motivating oh, yeah. people that this is possible and then I'm going to say, "Hey, I can't use the money that you give me by doing business with me, but here's my team. They're going to take you from here. Still follow along on my journey. Keep me honest, right? Make sure I don't touch any of that that money. I'm going to make sure I only come out of this one bank account. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get a rental unit. I'm probably going to rent a room out, right? <laughs> get a two unit and get a roommate so they pay half my rent, right? Um, we're going to we're going to do the whole nine yards, right? So no social media income, none of that stuff. It's it's solely like what's your what you're able to grab with your hands, make happen. You can't use your contacts, can't use your reputation. Hundred percent. 
Now I wanna I wanna specify I'm not actually going to get a W-2 job. I'm gonna put the net results of what that would give into an account, and I can't add to that account during the work hours. So I can't yeah. work nine I can't do this stuff nine to five. I'm gonna start recording at probably six o'clock, record from six to eight, show my progress for that day, and then I gotta uh, uh, simulate that I'm going to bed, waking up to go to work in the morning, right? I'm still running my businesses, obviously, in reality. I, I can't stop everything, right? But I'm simulating it to the best of my ability, right? Well, and it's perfect because you are running your businesses during the day. And that's the beautiful thing is like you're simulating, okay, you, person who's following along, would be working right now as am I. I'm building these businesses. 100%. But now I'm off. And I'm tired because I've worked in my businesses all day. And yep. boom. This I can is, give you guys a little me. sneak peek. Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me give you guys the first secret. The, the biggest one that's going to allow me to transition from year one into year two. Um, I'm going to ideally buy a short-term rental with that $10,000 at the end of year one. I'm going to cost segregate it, and I'm going to use the short-term rental exclusion in the IRS tax code to take bonus depreciation. Now, while that's scaling off in the upcoming years, I'm going to be real. I can only take what it provides me. But on my $68,000 in income, I'm assuming I'm going to pay about $25,000 in taxes. I'm going to get that back. Yep. I'm going to get Absolutely. every dollar of that back with a cost segregation analysis. Now, that now takes me from having $25,000 that I paid in taxes. I'm actually getting that, which guess what? Going into year two, hey, you want to buy a house your second year? You just turn 10 grand of savings into $25,000 of tax savings. Now we're winning. Now do it again. Now you're buying Now you're buying two and a half houses just with the tax savings plus the 100%. extra 10. And then you and I both know that that starts snowballing because now these short-term rentals are cash flowing like crazy. Absolutely. And then, then the hockey stick starts pointing upwards. You can even start over. mixing. You can start mixing tactics and I can use that $25,000 to renovate my $100,000 property. Maybe get it worth $150,000, Sell it. Now we're, whoa, how do we get all this money on a, a median wage income? Now that yes. that's when it starts to really be fun, right? Yes. I really like you bring up that perspective because I had someone I encouraged to stop, uh, sell their house in this market just to invest. And mm -hmm. so what they did is they took their money and they're buying $50,000 houses, like exactly what you're saying. They're getting a thousand dollars a month net. So they're mm -hmm. killing it. And then he came to me yesterday and he goes, you know what? I bought three of these things now. So I've got $3,000 a month cash flow. I spent 150, but he goes, what do you think about just selling one of them for a hundred that I bought for 50? I'm like, yes, do it. Like, yeah. you, because th then you get to decide like, okay, your main goal is 10 K a month. You're working towards getting there. But anytime you want to just inject some capital back, sell one, you know what I mean? Particularly 100%. if you're using, yeah. What would you say if someone came to you and said, Christian, what is the fastest way I can get from zero to 10K a month? What would you tell them? Without knowing any of their abilities, sales, I think, trumps everything. If you have an ability to sell, you can make money. It doesn't matter what you sell, solar panels, insurance, real estate, lending, whatever it is. If you have some sort of charisma and sales capabilities and not just... Once again, not to, I don't want the snake oil salesman. I want somebody who can sell something they believe in, right? I actually believe I'm putting people in a better financial position that work with me, right? This is not me just selling because I'm charismatic and can make money doing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, that would be number one. If they don't have the ability to sell, I, I'm not oblivious to that. Not everybody has that ability. Um, it would be every dollar in your original pursuit should be reinvested into your education. So mm -hmm. if you're doubling down on getting a license, if you're doubling down on uh, going to community college, I, I had this guy who it was brilliant. He's in um he's actually in a uh, Rob Bilt's um, host camp class um, in his course. And Rob Bilt's the co-host of the bigger pockets podcast. I don't know if everybody may know that. <laughs> um, but this guy said, so he was a property inspector and him and his wife bought a short-term rental. And he had no idea how to do renovations and he couldn't find a contractor. This was in 2020. He went to the local community college class and he took a, uh, a, an appraisal class because appraisers go through the coding laws of how things need to be permitted. Huh. He took that knowledge and went and redid the electrical work in his house up to code because he knew the code. And he learned by doing the appraisal class all of the way the wires need to go and what angles they can bend at and if they can cross over and what needs to be grounded and what needs to be at the external <laughs> breaker box instead of the internal one. It was insane. He was telling this whole story. And I'm like, that is brilliant. And he's like, that community college class costed like 500 bucks. 
I'm like, you remodeled a house for 500 bucks, man. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) incredible. Right. So something like that, that's if you can take maybe a fine little piece of understanding you have in an industry and double down on that by adding a different level of education, training, guidance, even coming to somebody like myself, David, a team that is doing it and learning under them. That would be my first. Absolutely. My first piece of advice. If your ability is not sales, you got to get the knowledge. You got to get the training. Absolutely. Tremendous answer. Um, I got to dive deeper into sales, man, because you have the one brokerage, right? The one stop shop. Let's say I'm 18 years old. I show up at the one brokerage and I'm like, hey, it's like, what do I do? It's like, how do you put me in the right box? Because there's different types of sales, right? There's loan officer, you have Absolutely. realtors. And, and how, do I, how do you direct me if I'm asking you? It's like, which yeah, direction question. should I go? I run the lending team. So if they're talking to me, that means they got through recruiting and they, they, they're talking about getting a product with lending. Now, if I, I can teleport myself back to before I was with David, where I was, I was a realtor, lender, and an uh, insurance agent back at that time. So that may be more reasonable to say that. In that case, I would say, now myself, I would say, why can't you do all three? I realize jack of all trades, master of none. I counter that with master of all. But um, (laughs) if you want to dedicate to learning something, I would say start with one. The most obvious entrance, in my opinion, is being a realtor. There's more training, more guidance, more resources, more support, more people looking for that service. Right. I would say start there, but I would say don't end there. I would be desperately obsessed with finding different things to add. Right. I, I added being a lender. Hey, I'm, I'm a realtor. I'm talking to lenders all day anyways. I'm working with the same client. Why can't I look at his tax returns and show him a house? Doubled my income. I turned every client I had into two. Then I was like, hey, I'm talking to insurance companies all the time, and it seems like they all work really slow and none of them are good. I wonder if I can do that. I went and took the education. I got an insurance license, thousand bucks. Started an insurance company. It makes more than a thousand bucks, right? That's a net positive. Great. I invested in a property that cash flows. It's the same thing. It's just a business or a skill set of mine that cash flows, right? That's the whole thing. So I, going back to that word I used earlier, I found arbitrage in my life that says, hey, I have to listen to lenders go through loans anyways. I have to listen to insurance agents do loans anyways. And the moment I started offering all three, people would come to work with me as a client, not a, not a customer or a, a employee of mine, but as a client. And they'd say, I've never had a realtor that understands insurance policies. I've never had a lender that knows how to run comparables in a market. I've never had an insurance agent that knows how to uh, estimate repair costs. This is cool. And all of a sudden it's like, really nice. All of a sudden, even if you're not the cheapest lender or you won't cut your, your, your real estate commission. Okay. Go work with Coldwell banker. See how it goes. Oh, but he didn't know what interest (laughs) rates are today. Okay. Oh, he didn't know what my insurance policy would cost. Okay. You want to do this again? We can do it the the right way. (laughs) Right. That, that would be my thing. So I wouldn't pitch a starting point. I'd pitch an ending point, right? Get into one of the three. It doesn't have to be this. This can be, extended to any industry, right? If there's something that you can add, for instance, this guy who added contractor and development work onto his property inspection company, he already did property inspections, right? Let's go learn all the code so that we can actually build up to code, right? Maybe you add an appraisal service, right? Real estate's an easy industry to do this with because everything kind of correlates, but there's industries that do this, right? I know, I know nurses who also go work for hospice cares, Right, they have a day job at the at the hospitals, yeah. and they go work at hospice at night. That's that's arbitrage, right? You're finding a little bit of where your skill set is easily transferable and implementing it, right? And it's probably an upfront cost, but implement in a way where it's going to have a longer payoff than the upfront cost. Right? I love this, and and so you are telling people buy a property a year. You're setting them up for life if they follow the steps. What about for you? You're going to have a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, and not too long from now. What does your life look like when money's of no object? Man, this is the question that I always get stumped with. I don't get stumped very often. And I just did a podcast with uh, um, Stephen Pesavento, and he asked me this. And he said, Take everything else away. You have financial freedom now. 
how does your life look different? And I answered him with, it doesn't look different. And he, he called me on my crap. He's like, BS, if you have $100 billion in the bank and you don't have to work, what does your life look like? And I'm like, I, it's it sounds uh, uh, cliche, but like, I honestly can't see past what I'm doing right now. And I struggle with that. I struggle with like, what's the meaning of what I'm doing and what's my true motivation behind everything? Like, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know, right? I know that I find a supreme amount of enjoyment in offering opportunities to people. So like, I, I, one of my loan officers is my college roommate at Berkeley, right? One of my loan officers is my childhood absolute, absolute best friend, most favorite person in the world. She works in our company, right? I have these people that I, I, I've employed our, our friend group, right? I bring them in. My, my assistant is one of my, my friends, little cohort of friends, right? I, I love that. So I think my end result will probably look something like, hey, maybe building something and then just providing opportunity, maybe like mentorships or internships or a way for people to learn a skill or a trade. It doesn't have to be in real estate. Maybe it's, you know, I develop like a some sort of company that just adds value to people. It's kind of a, a, a interpretation on charity work, but it's, I don't want to just give to have people not benefit from it. Like, let's actually show you how we can benefit from what you're learning, right? That's probably what it would look like. I don't know. I really struggle with that question, but um, hopefully that comes close enough. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for diving into that for us. Yeah. Um, so you kind of given us your vision for the next 12 months. You're doing this 12 months challenge, which I am definitely going to be checking out. But let's talk about the one brokerage's vision. What are you guys looking to grow over the next 12 months? We just hit 2023. What are the goals? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, First and foremost, we touched on a little bit. The insurance arm is our, our big pursuit of 2023. Um, we're hoping to end up the, the year with a, a property management, at least budding, um, so that once again, just keeping everything under one house, you bought the house, we financed it, we insured it, and we manage it. Pretty sweet, right? Um, but ultimately, um, I, I'd, I'd like to just continue growing the skill set of the people that we have, maybe growing our, our base of employees and loan officers. Um, people who are looking to get in the industry, pouring resources into them and having them obviously benefit the name of the company. Um, we're going to be doing a lot of more in-person events. I know two years ago, it was really weird with COVID. I still think people are kind of getting back into normalcy, right? Um, and then ultimately, uh, license in all 50 states. We're in about, for conventional loans, we're in about 25. Um, and our DSCR product, which is the non-QM one we talked about a little bit, we're in 48 states. But I want to be all 50, every product. Um, that's my, my big goal for 2023. Absolutely tremendous stuff, man. I am so excited to see what your brokerage, everything can accomplish this year. And on top of that, this 12 months challenge, dude, I am definitely going to be watching this. So, <laughs> so Christian Batch Elder, dude, this has been an absolutely tremendous experience, man. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And absolutely. to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So please check out the 12 months challenge. I am certainly going to be watching. Go to some events and get yourself in the right room because you don't even have to be good if you're surrounded by the right people. Take massive action. Tell somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.